0: being out there talking to partners understanding their needs and that we are actually daring to let others innovate on top of our products mm. uh, so that we can actually provide the financial modules capabilities whatever you call it and we can trust that the third party is actually uh, doing the innovation on top because we can't do that within everything, so we know a lot about our own customers. We have the transaction data, we have the knowledge. We can do a lot in our own channels, mm-hmm. but we can't really estimate how everything will evolve in the market. And that's why we need to open up for, for other ones. So I can't tell you specifically within which niche or segment we believe that the opportunity space is biggest. Mm-hmm. But I think that in general, we have to trust that we have the right partners who are able to to do that.
1: Arlen, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for making time to speak to us today.
0: Thank you for letting me come here.
1: Right. Okay, so let's just get started and um, to begin with, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: So my name is uh, Arlen, as you pronounced correctly there. Uh, I work in DMB. So Mm -hmm. DMB is the largest bank in Norway. We also have operations outside of Norway, but our main market is Norway. Mm -hmm. So we have, I think, 2.1 million retail customers right now out of maybe five, five and a half million Norwegians, so it's quite substantial, mm-hmm. the, the size, and a little bit above 200,000 corporates. Right. So uh, pretty, pretty big player in Norway, and uh, we also have some operations across the Nordics and the world, but mainly in Norway. So I work in a team called uh, Strategic Partnerships. Mm-hmm. So we work predominantly with customer facing or at least commercially driven partnerships. So if it's a big vendor, like AVS, something like that, it's, it's other people who does that, mm-hmm. but we do like the more forward leaning or new stuff um, coming out. So we have a maybe on average, a couple of new partnerships announced every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are screening and scouting. I think last year we scouted more than 400 companies. Cool. So either they come to us or we come to them and we, we sit down and have a meeting. And uh, some of them obviously leads to, to to real partnerships. So it's a it's a big job keeping track of the market. A lot of stuff is happening, and uh, we are also working closely with our venture units. We have our own accelerator, mm-hmm. which I dare to say it's world class <laughs> with startup lab here in Norway. So uh, every year we have some companies coming through that we are collaborating with at a later stage. And uh, also we are working within strategic important domains to try to understand what's happening and what does the future look like and embedded finance obviously is one of those. Yeah. And uh, among a lot of others, that's why I think actually banking is very, very fun right now. Mm -hmm. So I've been in banking for four years and it's keep, keep turning the wheels. The new challengers are new, the big techs, the challenger banks, the incumbent banks, everyone are doing stuff. And, uh, And embedded finance is obviously one of the things that we are. Kind of keeping track on at least right now.
1: Yeah, of course. And uh, so we also keep keep track of the, the the most transformative trends in the in the Nordics, and of course, embedded finance keeps coming top. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to get a bit of it. Um, but let's just start by by setting the basis. So, yeah. in your words, what is embedded finance? Yeah.
0: So I've heard a lot of various definitions of embedded finance, but I think to to put it simple, it's the integration of financial services, whether it's payments, loans, lending, uh, trading, into non-financial services. Mm-hmm. So that means that you're able to perform some of your financial activities in a non-financial channel. And I, f- I think for, for what I see, it's, it's four main reasons why this is really important right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and first and foremost is the regulation part of it. So for us looking into new strategic domains, you could rather actually follow what the regulators do than what the competitors are doing because that tells a lot about where we're going. Mm-hmm. So we had PC2 coming, opening up. Uh, we had the uh, transactions and accounts that we have to open it and, and let others take take part of that and, and have access to that data, mm-hmm. which was frightening at the time. But now it's more of an opportunity. Yeah. So so that's the, the first part of, of, of it. And then the second part is the technology. Now that we have cloud everything is running in cloud this way faster i can imagine some years ago actually integrating a banking product in a third-party channel must be a, a lot of work at yes. least. Uh, yes. now it goes much much faster and we have the third point which is competitors now moving into the space fintechs uh, also incumbents big techs were really challenging us on within embedded finance as well and fourth you have the customer needs that are very much changing with the new digital business models. So now customers are actually expecting to get delivered these financial services in a non-financial uh, channel. So let's say you are shopping online, mm-hmm. and in the checkout you don't have the buy now pay later, for instance, uh, opportunity. You're going to lose a lot of customers. Yeah. So that's the definition, and also why kind of this is important for us right now. Right.
1: right. Okay. And. I would like to understand where do you see that the biggest opportunity of embedded finance lies in for incumbents and banks like DMV? Yeah, so if, if you are to believe that
0: the total market of embedded finance is worth 7.2 trillion US dollars <laughs> um, or, or at least a fraction of that, or it, it's a huge potential out there. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like the important part is that we are are actually being out there talking to partners understanding their needs and that we are actually daring to let others innovate on top of our products Mm. uh, so that we can actually provide the financial modules capabilities whatever you call it and we can trust that the third party is actually uh, doing the innovation on top because we can't do that within everything, so we know a lot about our own customers, we have the transaction data, we have the knowledge, we can do a lot in our own channels, mm-hmm. but we can't really estimate how everything will evolve in the market. And that's why we need to open up for, for other ones, so I can't tell you specifically within which niche or segment we believe that the opportunity space is biggest, mm-hmm. but I think that in general we have to trust that we have the right partners who are able to to do that. Um, that That's a big shift for us in yeah. DMV. 200 years old this year, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sometimes if it's like our IT systems are 200 years old, right. so we are like have like the legacy and our mindset and DNA is we are selling our products or distributing our products ourselves. Mm-hmm. And now we are doing that, or are starting to do that at least through third parties as well. So it's, it's a big shift, but I think if you end up with the right partners and you develop the right capabilities, then you will find the right opportunities.
1: Right that way. Mm. Now, let me let me ask you a little bit about what you touched on, which is uh, the, the the mindset and the, and the legacy. We could say the legacy thinking, mm. uh, because because we very often hear from from incumbents that the, one of the most difficult transformations to go through is the cultural one that will change and transform the way in which they think about their business model and about the market in, in this in this this new digital age. Mm. So what has DMB done, um, and what's how has it worked? Uh, in order to transform the mindset of the organization and the people that work there.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a journey that we're still on. Mm. To be honest, uh, we are seeing that uh, we can actually reap the benefits also of having third, working with third parties distributing our products, but it needs to be the right fit. Mm. So I think it's a journey that we are we are continuously working on now. So it's it's so many aspects. It's of course we need to understand which kind of technology uh, technological capabilities we need to to develop, Mm -hmm. but also which opportunities are we actually going to go forward with, which is the right one, because we we still believe we will distribute a lot of products ourselves in our own channels. But we also think that there are some partners out there that can actually help us get access to new customers through their channels. And I think we will have to have some experience with the cases we are uh, working with right now and Mm -hmm. see how that works uh, and also set up the organization so that we can actually act quickly enough when we see the new opportunities and that's that's something we have started doing uh, mm-hmm. so I'm very happy about the progress we are making I think we are doing a lot of great stuff done right now but it's gonna take a little time before we're fully there I think yeah yeah it's
1: it's, it's a it's a it's a hard process that it's, a, it's a taxing process that's what we've heard from before, for for employees as well because it, it's mm-hmm. going through a lot of changes and the cultural part of it is usually the the slowest thing that uh, that you can change in an organization
0: yeah yeah, luckily I think that in DMB we are an incumbent, of course. We are doing a lot of stuff that we are, are used to, but we have some track record of doing new things. Mm-hmm. We, we did with VIPs, our uh, Voluntary in ah. Norway. So if we are really putting the effort into it and mm-hmm. the strategy is uh, correlated with it, then we have a lot of a lot of power, at least, to, to go forward with it. And that's why I think it's interesting working in DMB. It's a, it's a big ship, but if you're we like pick a direction, then we are going forward like full throttle and with, with a lot of power. So hopefully we will, <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's where we're going to end up with this one as well.
1: Okay, so t- tell me tell me a little bit about some of the initiatives that DMB is either uh, executing or considering executing to be able to leverage the opportunity for embedded finance.
0: Yeah, so we have a couple of, uh, of solutions out in the market today actually. Uh, okay. One that I'm very proud about is uh, car financing through Tesla and Polestar. Uh-huh. So uh, if you go to Tesla or Polestar in the Nordics today, you can uh, pick which car you want, and of course it's going to be extremely expensive. Uh, so we're going to need some financing. Most of us are, mm-hmm. and then in the in the same customer journey, you will get um, get the access to getting financing for that, and that's provided by DNB. So it says our logo, but it feels like you are in the, still in the same customer journey as right. you started in. So uh, that's very interesting, due to we are accessing now a lot of customers through a third party that has a great brand, I think it's a great fit for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, people trust them, it's, uh, it's, it looks good, the product, and it fits very well with, with our products, since we are already offering car financing. And also it's interesting, due to this being an entirely brand new business model, so yeah. we have been financing car dealerships for, for a lot of time, and we will still do that. Mm. And we have done a lot of good uh, technical development also on that part. Mm. But now we see that car manufacturers, such as Tesla, Polestar, probably many more, are actually distributing directly to customers online. So they kind of skip the dealership, the physical part of it. Yeah. And that's what's happening in all various uh, industries <laughs> now. That it's like purely digital. Everything is digital. Yeah. And then we need to develop the capabilities to actually. Um, be there for for those customers, and that's what we've done with Tesla and and Polestar. And and that's for us a lot, and obviously it's very scalable as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now we we are getting access to to very very many customers, and we see that the numbers are really good on how many converts. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So it's it's good for us, and it's good for Tesla and Polestar. At least they say so, and they seem very happy. So that's that's one product we have in the market right now that it's fully integrated it's purely automated APIs mm-hmm. um, but we are also experimenting now with more like what is say, embedded finance light you can call it in a way so we are collaborating with a small startup called uh, Vilda Norwegian startup mm-hmm. they went through our accelerator this winter actually and they are creating a tool where you can uh, enter your address where you live and uh, they will tell you what kind of improvements you should do to your apartment or house to make it more energy efficient. Wow. So they are grabbing data from all over and then we will tell you, you need this and that and then you will make your apartment at least 30% more energy efficient and you will save this much money and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of uh, good effects of doing that, but that's also expensive, so you might need financing as well. Yeah. And the good thing here is that you're making your apartment 30% more energy efficient, hopefully, at least. Mm-hmm. And then you qualify for a green loan. So then it's a, it's a pop-up saying, do you want to finance through DMV? We have a green loan and we can give you a good uh, interest rate. Right. And uh, this is still very manual, but for the user who enters clicking yes, it feels kind of automated because they get, ba- get back to you in 24 hours. But for us, it's, it's kind of like a web form only. Mm. Still, we are learning a lot about the customer needs and if we can cater to them and see how many customers are we able to get to through a third party channel. So we are doing that now with uh, Vilda, the startup, and Fjordkraft, which is a Norwegian electricity company, uh, if you want to buy solar panels for your house. So we are kind of starting to tap into the market yeah. a bit, but it's uh, we don't have a, a huge portfolio of automated APIs like premium APIs out there. Mm-hmm. But we are starting to look into specific uh, niches to kind of
1: learn and see how it goes. Oh, well, that's really cool. Um, now uh, let's talk a little bit about partnerships with fintechs. Yeah. So, so tell me, what what role do partnerships play in DMB strategy? So for
0: us. Partnerships is obviously very important as we have a strategic partnership team. We are we are taking it really seriously, so that doesn't mean that in every case we should partner up with someone. We might feel that this is something we, we want to build internally mm-hmm. as well. But we see that to have the speed and be able to, to offer our customers all the services we want to, we, we need to, to partner up. And that's where my team uh, comes in with, with a specific mandate so, uh, to know kind of the rules and the laws of engagement with startups, how to, to, to navigate which startups to, to, or fintechs uh, also um, to, to collaborate with uh, and also make sure that the process is good and efficient because we know that we are such a big company that if we are going into negotiations with, with a fintech or a startup, we might actually be able to kill them as well, unless mm. the process is efficient and we can yeah. kind of understand the internal needs of DMB and be able to get to the stakeholders. So and that's that's a very important part of, of our work, yeah. and uh, I think to leverage DMB for a for the future now
1: uh, we see uh, partnerships, uh, and that will be increasingly important going right. so forward. We've heard when we talk to incumbents, especially that there's there's sometimes some hesitation in allowing uh the, the the customer experience to be or allowing themselves to be this intermediated from the customer experience so this whole idea of embedded finance of putting your products in someone else's customer journey sometimes is a bit of a it's it's a sensitive issue with incumbents how has dmb dealt with that
0: no uh i get why you're asking that because that's a question of course that's been discussed internally yeah. as well in in dmb so From my perspective, I feel like, in a way, you don't have a choice within uh, embedded finance. It's going to happen anyway, so Mm. you kind of have to look at it with an open mindset uh, and see what are actually the the upsides of this. but on the other side, I think also that DNB has a really strong brand, especially in Norway, also in some other Nordic uh, countries. And we see when we do customer insights that the trust level of DNB is extremely high, uh, especially in Norway. Uh, if, no matter who you compare to, it's it's way higher. Like the banks in general are extremely high. So I think it will be a competitive advantage for a lot of partners actually having the brand there as part of the experience. And I think that's the opportunities that we are gonna look into now going forward so we want our brand to be part of the experience and we want people to understand that this is a brand they can trust they can call customer service they know what it is and and for us that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. at the same time I see that some banks are purely delivering the capabilities and they are doing really great they have some wonderful products it seems like but they are basically just holding the the license and that makes sense if you I saw this small used to be a small bank, at least from Tennessee, called Evolve Mm -hmm. Bank and Trust. I think it's the name was a very small agricultural uh, bank. And then they tapped into this embedded finance or banking as a service space, partnered up with Stripe and Mm -hmm. are delivering all their services through Stripe and huge growth, of course. But they were in a position where they didn't really have a brand that could be out there and get the customer loyalty and uh, the, the, the advantage of using that, I believe for DMB, it's going to be a value prop uh, yeah. having the brand there. But also, I think it's when you look into various opportunities, it's a, it's a difference between the retail market on one side, mm-hmm. where I think the brand, we would like to have the brand there, and the corporate side, where in some cases, uh, we might not necessarily have the brand there. So it's, it's a little bit case by case, but I, I think, honestly, that having the brand there in, in a lot of cases will be a, just an advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully. And I think you've seen some some examples out there. For instance, uh, BBVA, a very forward-leaning, I think very impressive Spanish bank, uh, are doing with Uber, where uh, they are enabling now Uber drivers in Mexico to get an account with BBVA, so it's branded and everything in the Mm -hmm. Uber app. Uh, And a lot of these drivers used to be unbanked. So Uber knew the need for these drivers to have, of course, a bank account, a ability to get payments, all that. Mm-hmm. And they partnered with BBA to create a service that gained everyone. And it's still branded, it's in the Uber channel, but I think that the brand there is giving the trust needed uh, as well. So uh, there are so many opportunities like that, but I think that you don't necessarily have to skip mm. the, the, the brand in every case.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting example because because they're not only solving the the, the issue of, of enabling the, the user to have easy access to embedded payments, but also in, in enabling the the supply in this case, that the taxi driver to say, well, since you don't have a bank account, there's no way we can pay you, but we can actually give you a bank account and we can make the whole the whole, whole customer journey seamless from from the demand all the way to, from the supply all the way to the demand. Yes,
0: and that's where we tap into like this new opportunities or new customers that we didn't have access to before that I think is really interesting mm. uh, because these drivers I don't think would have gone to BBA themselves, but of course now they got the need and it got it solved yes. by a bank in the challenge they were in. So that's why I think it's it's so important to, to kind of at least look at the opportunities there.
1: Yeah, it's a really great example. Um, now, let's talk a bit about where DMV sees the the trend developing towards. So we, we we hear that of course embedded payments. It's a it's, it's a big thing. Embedded lending's a big thing. Uh, embedded insurance. Embedded wealth. We start hearing about basically every facet of financial services yeah. being embeddable some mm. in some sort of way. Yeah. So uh, where 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 do you think this this will uh, yeah. land? You're asking some tricky questions uh,
0: <laughs> today. Uh, I think. You could kind of look into each and every vertical uh, of banking, whether it's like you say lending, payments, whatever it is, and you can find opportunities. And I think that we will see fintechs, other banks, really going into specific niches. Mm -hmm. So I think for for the upcoming years, it's not going to be like a winner takes it all or Mm -hmm. one market that is more interesting than others. But again, my my personal uh, opinion here is that I, I really think insurance is actually very exciting. Part of the reason for that is that I think that the the experience today of purchasing something, an asset and trying to look for the insurance related to that process product can be a bit difficult because Mm. it's kind of still like the traditional insurance products that you have. Uh, I think that in the future, you can be able to match insurance with the product you are buying Mm -hmm. way more seamlessly. So whether it's you're going traveling, maybe you are buying a bike, whatever it is, you have like the insurance tied to that mm-hmm. object. And I think that banks should be able to deliver that because we have the transaction data. We know what you purchase a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. We probably need some partners as well. Uh, or we might be able to use geolocation, for instance, as a Raiffeisen. I mm-hmm. think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, I think it's Austrian bank okay. or giving you when you are right next to the ski track. They're offering you insurance because it's, of course, uh, dangerous going down the Alps uh, yeah. <laughs> downhill. So, then you are able to offer you that one. So, it's, a, of course, it's the balance between you don't want to push a lot of insurance products on your customers all the time. But still, mm. we can be very relevant with the data that we already have, I think, yeah. today. So, insurance is, is a point that I, I think is going to be very exciting. Um, uh, insurance with the mobility as well, of course. When our cars are getting smarter and smarter and you can offer products that are way more personalised than today. Mm. And another aspect, uh, I saw this overview, uh, I think it was uh, Finastra, who had it and they were pointing to, to the SMB side being underserved. Mm. And I think that there are so many points of sales or points of meeting actually, those uh, corporates right now, so whether it's partnering up with a marketplace, uh, or, or whatever it is, we can actually enable them to, to get financing from us by using the data of a third party. Yeah. And I saw that uh, ING, the Dutch bank, is doing that now with Amazon in Germany, I think. Mm-hmm. Some of that. And then Amazon, of course, have all the data about the SMEs and knows them and knows when they need financing. But they're using ING to actually enable them to get the financing. And I think within the SME side, it's, it's a lot of stuff like that you can can look into. So that's the two that I'm very about, But we are looking into the whole uh, bunch of them you can see in trading even, you can think that in the future you, you go to your favorite store, whatever that is, let's say McDonald's, or, or hopefully it's not, not McDonald's, but uh, <laughs> McDonald's, let's say McDonald's, yeah. and every time you're purchasing yes, a small fraction of the amount is transferred into stocks in that brand sponsored by McDonald's or wherever it is. Mm. Stuff like that, mm-hmm. like small use cases everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, uh, yeah, it's, a lot of stuff is going to happen Yeah, in every
1: vertical going forward. Oh, that sounds yeah. really interesting. Um, okay, let's let's just finish off. Uh, tell us a little bit of what we can expect to see from DMP in the next two to three years with regards to embedded finance.
0: Yeah, so like I told you, we, we are on the journey within embedded finance. I think that we have to find our footing. We have to find where our competitive uh, advantage mm-hmm. is we have to develop the right technical capabilities, we have to develop the right APIs, and I think that we will do that together with partners. Mm-hmm. So if there are any partners out there <laughs> right now who are thinking I need some financial services within my application, yeah. please come to us because that's that's where we need to look. We don't know what the customer needs, so so we need them. And uh, we need to build the capabilities regarding onboarding. Of course, we have a lot of that already, mm-hmm. but now we are onboarding customers through third-party channels. It's a, it's a bit different. Yeah. People don't want to wait two weeks for, for, for being onboarded. Um, but that's I believe that's also one of our strengths, because we've done that for, for a long time, being a bank, knowing your customer, all that. Uh, that's not something a non-financial company wants to do. So mm-hmm. I think that they would rather use us for for, for <laughs> doing that. Uh, and like you said, the, the culture part of it, now it's it's still a new trend even though we see that some fintechs are kind of moving forward for incumbent banks. Most of us, it's it's still very new. Yeah. So we need some time now to, to kind of pick the right bets for us going forward. But uh, we are already working on some projects with partners that mm-hmm. are yet to be launched, so I can't really <laughs> say too much about it right. uh, at this stage. But uh, I think in the future we we'll see that the is is increasingly looking for This is a channel for for mm-hmm. distributing our products as well and i really hope we can come up with some cases that are both beneficial for us and for the end user uh, in the yeah. future
1: yeah right well now you piqued our curiosity we <laughs> we're gonna uh, keep a close eye on, on on what new partnerships are launched at dmd um and uh thank you so much for coming down and, and and talking to us i think you have a lot of really really uh, profound insights of what's happening in, in, in incumbents when it comes to embedded finance and it was a really engaging chat so thanks a lot thank you too I'll be back
0: in three years, and then we can.
1: <laughs> yeah, and well, <laughs> we we look forward to seeing you also in September for Nordic Winter Week. Yeah, me so, too. so it'll be great having you there. Yes, thank All you. Right. Thanks a lot.